This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I didn't notice him. That probably means he played pretty well. I think he had uh, one penalty that didn't matter because we threw an interception on the play. But if we ran for 365 yards and I didn't notice uh, a freshman left tackle, that probably means he played pretty well. So we'll watch the tape and figure it out. But he's got a lot of good football ahead of him. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. That was head coach Scott Frost following the win for Nebraska over Rutgers. And one of the real bright spots that came out of that was the play of freshman offensive tackle Turner Corcoran. He got the start in that game because Brandon Hymas opted out to begin his NFL draft prep. Um, and, and that was a real positive. And you think about a bowl game in one more game, that might have been an opportunity for Corcoran to go another start. Maybe a bowl game would have been an opportunity for Logan Smothers to get a start because Adrian Martinez would have been pretty banged up uh, to, to have to play one more game. So we discussed that earlier. I uh, wanted to get into the mailbag here, though, first, Robin. And, um, you know, the first question was about transfers. And, you know, what do you think the biggest areas of need are? And more than likely, Nebraska's going to have two to three portal spots. And I, I know I know, running back – or, I'm sorry, quarterback is always a hot topic. I, I just don't think that's going to be something Nebraska is going to pursue as far as taking a transfer portal quarterback right now. Um, when I look at transfers, though – I think pass rushers kind of where I go to first. I think they need to find any kind of pass rushers they can get their hands on. That's a priority. I think a secondary body right now would be a priority, um, and and maybe a running back if Mills goes pro. Yeah, I think that's the big uh, kind of first part of the question that needs to be answered is who's coming back if you know they lose both Mark Eldis Muke and uh, Deontay Williams and uh, DiCaprio Boodle. You know, secondary is clearly going to be a position of need just to provide some some veteran. Uh, experience in the back end there. So uh, that's right up the top. Then if Dedrick Mills leaves, you know, we talked about just the the drop-off between him and the rest of that group, Uh, maybe bringing in someone that is a little bit more of a uh, a proven piece would would be kind of a smart move going forward. Uh, I'm I'm with you at quarterback. I just don't see that kind of being a direction Nebraska goes. I know some people say, you know, (laughs) why do you think that what you've had over the past couple years is going to work? But I think they're just in a situation now where they've got a lot of young players in that QB room that bringing in a grad transfer probably isn't the right way to go. But I think secondary, pass rusher, running back, I agree with you. I think those are the top three positions of need for the transfer market. And if anything, this new rule that allows everybody a free year of eligibility and seniors the chance to come back, it might actually help just stabilize depth on Nebraska's roster in some key spots just because of the log jam it's going to create, and they need that. So uh, next question. Lubick versus Walters. What is your thought, and does Austin get enough respect input in the game planning? And I guess on, on that first part, it, it's hard to know that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, it's not like we're privy to that kind of discussion um, as far as what Greg Austin got in, in terms of you know deciding what they ran. But I know everything Rob and I heard on Lubick was th- there's just a higher level of organization with him and management of the offense. I think him and Frost probably clicked a little bit better uh, at times, but is the offense where it needs to be? No, I think there's still a lot of questions with this unit. Yeah, and for me, you know, the coordinator is kind of a secondary part of the conversation. I mean, this is still Scott Frost's offense, and he's still very much hands-on as much as a head coach could be in the operations of the offense. So, you know, having someone that's maybe uh, on the same page is an upgrade with Matt Lubick, but yeah, we, we really didn't see much of a, an impact of that with how they played this year. How many coaching changes do we see? Another question. And I, I know that it's a popular topic this time of year always. And 
What I'll say is this, and, and you have the stat, Robin. There's been a coaching change at Nebraska every year since. 2012. So think about that. And when these coaches are making upwards of 500000 or more apiece as position coaches, there's just more money. The stakes are higher. You're going to see a change. If a unit underperforms at that price tag, typically the coach could be the guy that you know gets moved out. So I, I think that's something Scott Frost is looking at. Uh, I don't know if anything is officially done done and how that all plays out. But generally, um, if a move happens, I think a guy tries to kind of land somewhere on their own and move on. Um, we haven't really seen Nebraska, other than Bruce Reed, where they've just outright publicly fired a guy in an email. And, you know, Bruce Reed was like fired the day after the Iowa. I, was, I remember I was Christmas shopping um, in Omaha with my wife because she gets real fired up to get Christmas shopping done as early as possible. And so it's Saturday after Black Friday, and we're sitting in a mall in Omaha, and we got the Bruce Reed. I mean, they didn't even waste any time on him, but typically you don't see – you know, Mark Banker was obviously pushed out in a really fast way too, but you don't see it very often, do you? No, and a lot of times that's just kind of out of respect where you know you want a guy to be able to land on his feet right away to where it looks like it's kind of a natural break as opposed to a public execution. Yeah, exactly. In the SEC, there's a lot of public executions. No doubt about I mean, it. Bo Pelini. What about that? How about Bo, our friend Bill Bush, you know, guy I've known many, many years. Um, they cleared out that whole staff though. Like the old, the older coaches on that LSU staff quote retired, and yeah, then yeah. Bush and Pelini were cleared out of there. And yeah, with Bo, I mean, it was a deal where the one thing you would always say is that you know when he has NFL level talent to work with, his defense is really, really good. Well, he had NFL work talent to work with, and LSU was was terrible. Well, they had like how many draft picks did they have last year, and then they had several. They had two or three guys opt out too that yeah. were so they were not the same team they were a year ago. But still, I mean, they were like record-setting bad for what they were giving up, and so no, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, it was like it looked like a Big Twelve they beat defense. Flo- at times. How about they beat Florida and Old Miss though to close no the sense. year out? I mean, they Makes beat no sense. They beat a New Year's Six Bowl team, and then Old Miss got the uh, Outback Bowl. I mean, so like th- those are quality wins to close the year out, but they were shootouts, and or I think Orgeron, you know, could be in trouble. I mean, if 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 he has an, I mean, think about saying that if he has another bad year though. Let's say he goes like six and six, seven and five. Is that going to be enough for him next year? Who knows? It's the SEC. I mean, Auburn just fired a national championship head coach as well. So, uh, you know, the crazier things have happened, but it's hard to believe that, you know, they could have the season they did a year ago. And now you're talking about a coach being on the hot seat, but such is the nature now, of the beast. Malzon wasn't the, he was the coordinator on the national championship team. It was Gene Chizik, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. But Malzon heavily involved with Cam Newton and, yeah. and that. I mean, he, he got a lot of credit for it with how good that offense was. No doubt. I mean, he was a great coach. And um, I'll be curious where he lands because I, I do think he's a good coach. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guy's been successful everywhere he goes. So he'll, he'll land on his feet, I'm sure. And then that Brian Harson hire. Um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. It, it kind of has a Mike Riley feel. Um, but Harson's won at a high level. That guy's gonna be a fish out of water out there. <laughs> he coached. He was the head coach of Arkansas State for a year, but still, um, who he builds around him on that staff, and I mean, it's almost like you take that job knowing you're gonna get fired and get paid. Like, he, <laughs> it's like, all right, I've done my time making one or two million in the group of five, which is the most I can make. I, I need my thirty million dollar guarantee. That buyout is gonna be real interesting because I'll bet <laughs> you it's gonna be hefty. Well, and we might see buyouts look different, Robin. Uh, Should. I mean, that, that's one of the flaws of the college game. These athletic directors write these massive buyouts. 
uh, for uh, for some of these contracts, and it just has turned into lottery tickets. I mean, for, especially for guys that didn't deserve that much money. And final question here: big picture thought on the college football playoff this year, and just in general, the the, the system. I mean, where we've seen essentially Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama almost an automatic invite to this every year. And then that four spot, kind of a rotating spot between Georgia, Notre Dame, and other programs like that every single year where we've seen kind of a, a rotating uh, group of teams kind of fill out this group. Um, I think they got the four teams right. Um, I, I would have taken Notre Dame, Robin, over A&M right now. Um, I don't think Cincinnati would win either against either of those two teams. Yeah, it's a, kind of a similar argument where, you know, Notre Dame – as bad as they, you know, got beaten in that that Clemson game, you know, they were still season long one of the best teams in the country all year long. And, and they, they beat did, Clemson. Yeah. And they beat they 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 have the signature win. So they did for the most part everything that they were supposed to do. And the fact that it's the Notre Dame brand is kind of a, a no brainer. I mean in, in all counts. But um I'm really looking forward to that Ohio State Clemson game, especially with the Davos uh, top twenty five. What about yeah, that's a that's a shot fired right there, and I guarantee you that uh, was made very well known to Ohio State's locker room when that came out. And then the fact that Clemson is really, I mean, there's three years they've ended Ohio State's season in the playoffs now, so uh, there's, I'm sure, a lot of uh, storylines that are going to be uh, hitched to that one that's going to make that really good television. Well, in general, I think 2020 now, when you look big picture, the bowl system was already kind of on the way out, but I think 2020 has really oh, <laughs> pushed yeah. the bowl system out more than people I mean you've got players opting out of the Cotton Bowl and yeah. you know the Orange Bowl I mean good bowl games not just playoff people play in the playoffs but yeah that was already happening uh, even before the pandemic but then when you add in all that stuff guys are just ready to be done I mean sure it's a lot of guys that voted no for Nebraska they were just tired of it you know they're tired of playing for free want to get going towards the NFL career and uh bowl game or not you know the the, the time had come for them but they need to probably get this thing to eight. The problem is the bowl games have such a grip on the college game as far as just their influence, you know, with these games and how it matters and, and, and whatnot. And, you know, I think it's, as, I think we all agree. It's as simple as put your five power, five champions in there, your best group of five, and then two wild cards. And the committee decides two wild cards. I mean, I think we, I mean, and sure there, there's going to be debate for those two wild cards, but I, I think that would be a system that would, engage the country more if you included the Pac-12 in the Big 12 in the Big 10 every year where it wasn't always Clemson and Alabama and whoever the other two teams are going to be that get beat yeah I mean just giving a few other teams a chance like giving the Cincinnati's or the Central Florida's or you know one of those teams that uh, you know in theory did everything they were supposed to do and at least they'll have an opportunity I think that's the least you could do and is it going to change much from you know the elite the Clemson's Alabama's Ohio State's probably not but at least you're allowing the opportunity to at least make more of an interesting offseason where teams that deserve the right to at least have a shot get that shot. All right. Well, Robin, I uh, hope you have a wonderful holiday weekend with your family. I know Santa is busy trying to get things squared away at the Washout residence. Yes, he is. So I'll do Christmas morning with family, then over to PBA and watch some Nebraska-Michigan <laughs> basketball. All right. Well, when we come back, Nate Klaus will join us to talk some recruiting. You're listening here to the Oscar Line Show.